Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. We are here at the Tamar Yonah Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And the Israeli elections are coming up. And people want to know which side is going to win, which side looks like it might win, who's running. I'll give you a hint. The same old regurgitated politicians that are over and over again running. Nothing new. And I will say this, that Israelis are looking at this next election very uh, as very lackluster yawn. And I'm even curious how many Israelis are even going to show up to the polls. We've had so many elections in the last few years that it's not even funny. It's such a waste of uh, money from the economy, from people, the taxpayers' money, just to get the same politicians in office. It's just musical chairs. And people are yawning. They're tired of it. They're, it's lackluster, as I said. There's no new faces. So what's going to happen? Well, our guest today wrote a very interesting article on where things might be shifting. And I'll tell you about that in a moment. First, let me introduce him. His name is Shalom Pollock. He's a certified Israeli tour guide and the author of the book, Jews, Israelis, and Arabs, an observer's view of Israel's shifting society. Now, this book was inspired by the places that he had come to know intimately here in Israel and the varied people that he guided in four different languages. Shalom Pollock also served in the Israeli Defense Forces here in Israel as a reservist for 10 years, and he also worked as a print and radio journalist. If you like, you can email him at shalompollock613 at gmail.com. Now, his article that he wrote is entitled, Ex-Likud Minister says, basically, Israel will be a different country if Ben Gvir joins the government. Now, Itamar Ben Gvir, who anybody who is not familiar with him, he is a politician. He is in the Knesset. He's a member of Knesset right now, uh, albeit probably the smallest party in the Knesset or one of the smallest parties in the Knesset. And he is known uh, to be very, very right wing and a follower, uh, once follower of Rabbi Meir Kahana Zichron Livracha, may his memory be for a blessing, who was also considered extremely right wing and or quote unquote an extremist. In fact, the left and the right, by the way, <laughs> the Knesset itself, the politicians banned Rabbi Kahana and his party from running in the government, labeling him an extremist and that there was no place for him in Israeli politics, which is a very sad thing because he was getting a lot of votes. But we're going to find out about all of this in the article. So I want to welcome to the show Shalom Pollock. Hello, Tamar, and hello to your listening audience. Okay, so uh, Itamar Ben-Gavir, as I said, is a uh, member of Knesset. He is uh, looked at as an extreme rightist. However, is the Israeli on the street that voted him in with enough votes to become a member of Knesset, a lot of these people think differently. And it looks like his party and his uh, political stance is growing favor in more and more Israelis' eyes. Where would you like to start in this uh, article that you wrote, Ex-Likud Minister says Israel will be a different country if Ben Gvir joins the government. Well, I agree with you about the um, attitude of many potential voters towards these many elections and these politicians, and I've been speaking to people on the street and getting their uh, views, and a lot of people who I would think would be voting for the right um, those say they're not voting this time. They're all, all the politicians are the same. Which, which is very interesting. Uh, the Israeli public, I think, is becoming, like you said, tired of, of this political game. And the voter turnout probably will be not high, I would imagine. And the, the elections will be won on which sectors get the vote out 
more efficiently. That is where I think the key is going to be, not in the personalities, not in the parties, um, but I think in who's going to leave their home to vote that day. Um, okay, having said that, um, my article, uh, I wrote, of course, in another article caught my eye, Dan Mary Barry Dorr, who was an uh, important person in the Likud, the, the government of Bibi Netanyahu, who um, comes from an old Likud family, the old fighting family, they, they used to call them, uh, changed his political worldviews and his associations and is a critic of, of Netanyahu, Likud, and pretty much the right. And um, he belongs to a, a small group of elites of what I call princes and princesses who are the children of those who uh, made their name in fighting the good fight against the British, against the Arabs, against the left-wing tyranny in this country, as as it was, uh, that lots of people liked them. And their children, who I wrote in the article, were born with a political silver spoon in their mouth, uh, slided into political positions, and most of them turned their back on their parents' um, heritage, political heritage. One of them is, is Dan Meridor, and um, he said that the country will not be the same if Ben Gvir uh, becomes a minister in, in the government. So it's true they have very different worldviews, and um, I think that today in Israel it's becoming clearer that the, the real battle in this country is for the soul of the country, for the identity of the country, the definition of the country. What is this Jewish state? What do we want from this state called the Jewish state, Israel? And the, the people like Meridor um, want this country to look as much like the United States as possible, uh, a country of all its citizens. The stress on the Jewish character of the country, uh, this is something that is less important to them than looking like a typical advanced Western country with all that entails. And people like Ben Zir are deeply rooted in Jewish nationalism, Jewish tradition, faith. And one of the issues that, that divides these two camps is how the Jewish state looks at its Arab citizens. Uh, The left will call the right racist in its view towards the Arab citizens, and the right will call the left um, um, not caring about the Jewish character of the state, at at best. Um, And the fact that the Arab citizens of Israel have full rights, including political rights, and they use that right to vote for parties that are anti-Israel and are uh, uh, very hostile to the idea of a Jewish state and, uh, and, and Jews who, who, who care about that. So this is one of the dividing lines. And in this election, because of the last year and, and more than the last year, Arabs in Israel have been showing their colors clearer and louder than ever. Uh, incidents happen more frequently and more disturbingly. It's escalating. We had in May 2021, we had countrywide riots in, uh, in towns and cities in Israel. It was really bad. And I think that Ben Gvir is riding the wave of many Israelis who wouldn't call themselves necessarily ideologically right-wing, never thought about it before perhaps, but I think that he's riding a wave of um, a feeling of humiliation on the part of a lot of Jews, and they don't understand why they have to, it must be explained to them time and again why Jews are being attacked. But rather they want to hear, it's going to stop now. And Ben Gvir is the one who holds that flag the highest. He was um, a student of Mary Kahana. He was too young to really know Rabbi Kahana, but he's, he studied his writings and he knew people who were students, and that was his group of, of comrades. And, um, yes, as you said, Abikahana was banned from the Knesset, 
the masses were, were loving him more and more, which was a great political threat to the whole political establishment. Rabbi Kahana did not mince words. He, he was not PC. He spoke the things that many Jews wondered about and thought about, and, and he, was their, he was their voice. And he was getting a lot of popularity, so much so that they banned him in a totally undemocratic way. Uh, by the way, they don't ban the Arab members of the Knesset who outright meet with our enemies and uh, call for the destruction of the Jewish state. They're okay. That's, uh, that's called democratic discourse. But people like Kahana, who will take votes from many of the parties and say things that the people really want to hear, he's a threat. Ben Gvir... I, I just is, want to say here, what people want to hear is the truth. Yes. <laughs> They're not getting the truth from the washed-up, recycled, regurgitated politicians who try to be false prophets, promising peace if we just give up more land, if we just give in more, if we just give uh, special... Uh, um, perks to the minority enemy here in Israel, which are the, which, which sadly is uh, the Arabs here, not every Arab, but I would say probably the majority. And uh, people are tired of it because it's a formula that has not worked and it's not working, not working, not working. And we keep getting promised the same things. Go ahead. You're right. I, I totally agree. And I think that you, as time goes by, more and more Israelis know personally of people, either themselves or people they know, that were affected by this by this Arab uh, aggression, and it, it um, it's reflected in so many ways, so many ways. And and I'm, I live here 45 years, and I can tell you that the situation has gotten far far worse, acceler- accelerating,ly so. And um, um, well, people like Ben Gvir, who would dare say that those who uh, attack Jews or, or don't accept the, the, the a Jewish state. And will and will act against it. Have no place in this country, and they say, you know what, it's ridiculous, and that's why Ben Gvir is, is popular, and that's why the whole uh, political infrastructure and the media and the academia and the courts, he's a red flag for them. And for me personally, if he's a red flag for for, for those people who brought us to where we are today, then it means he's doing something right. Okay, so uh, so just to put this back on track again, and, and uh, more or less in I don't know chronological order, but again we have a, a member of Knesset. His name is Itamar Ben Gvir. He is in the Otsmayu D party, which means Jewish Strength, and he is considered by uh, the establishment here in Israel to be a uh, extremist right winger. And if they could, they would love to forbid him and his party from running in the Knesset. His party is growing in popularity among the Israeli public. Um, Still, it's a small party. It will probably remain a small party for the time being. But the numbers are worrying the establishment, quote-unquote, in the Knesset. And as uh, Shalom Pak was saying, that Dan Maridor, whose father was uh, one of the original heroes and fighters for Israel, unfortunately, many of the kids grow up in splendor and they, you know, with a golden spoon in their mouth. And I would say even when he grew up, it wasn't so easy here in Israel. It was still a little bit difficult, but compared to the rest of Israeli society, he was probably uh, growing up in a in a really nice way. And a lot of people lose their ideology and they want to uh, kind of like be accepted by the world. And as Shalom was saying, try to clone uh, the, the, the state of Israel as a, you know, another United States or just being in the, you know, the League of Nations. So we will be accepted and get that pat on the back and be part of the boys club. But the Jewish people know, and the Torah states, that Israel, the Jewish people, are a nation that dwells alone. We will never be accepted among the nations, and uh, and we need to remember that. And Ben Gvir is basically saying, look, this is not working. The Arabs are attacking us. We're having terror attacks. We have a fifth column that's living in our country that don't uh, stand up for the uh, the." Uh, National anthem. 
They don't identify with the national anthem. You can understand why, because it talks about the Jewish hope of returning after 2,000 years. And the Arabs, of course, as Rabbi Kahana said, we're never waiting for the Jews to come home. Uh, and, uh, and people are realizing this, and they're tired of it. And, uh, and this is what we're seeing. So where would you like to go from there? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that uh, I think that in general, of course there are exceptions, but in general, secular nationalism for Jews does not have a generations-long continuity. For Jews, the roots of our nationalism is in the Torah. It's not because we just decide to, 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 to call a land ours and a language ours, like the French and the English and the Russians. It's very different. And if you try to be like them, it doesn't work. Now, the parents of these princes and princesses that we're talking about, uh, they were fierce nationalists, and they sacrificed for it. Um, they weren't necessarily religious people, although they respected uh, Jewish tradition, I, 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 I think. Uh, I know. Um, but uh, you can't pass this, this message on to next generations without the deepest Jewish roots. Jewish nationalism per se, has a short shelf life, usually. And the people today who are most nationalistic and most ready to settle the land and, and, and sacrifice for the land are the Jews who identify their nationalism with centuries and millennia of Jewish roots and, and foundations. And I think that this country, I can see it already happening before my very eyes, this country will be led by those who care most and believe most. And uh, the old guard, whether they be right-wing or certainly left-wing, who see the advancement of the people who believe, uh, they're in the army, they're, they're in the settlements, they're in everywhere in, in society, and they see this as a threat to, to their power. Um, that's why they attack them much more than they, they attack the Arab enemy. Um, it's interesting, uh, when... when if I would suggest to one of these left-wing uh, politicians or academia or journalists to sit down with me with a cup of coffee <clears throat> just for a social, social hour or so, he would rather have an invitation for a social coffee from a killer in Ramallah and have an interesting time with him over coffee than with me. I make him uncomfortable. The killer from Ramallah, much less so. Why? Tell our listeners why. Why? Because I remind him of what he should be, I think. And I am challenging his uh, power in this Jewish country where the Ramallah Arab doesn't challenge his power for the, for the head of Israel. He's, in a, he's a partner outside of Israel for political whatever. But I represent a challenge to him. I'm saying to him, you shouldn't be the leader. You haven't got what it, what it, what it takes. And that he finds very threatening, and, and he doesn't, therefore he doesn't like, doesn't like me. I represent something that he turned his back on, and he knows is the challenge to his power. Hmm. That's an interesting take on that. Uh, I, I would... Uh... I would imagine also the ego comes in it that, uh, well, like you said, basically they're self-hating Jews, perhaps. Perhaps. I don't know. Uh, but um, I think also it has to do with ego that, you know, no, I know better. Uh, this is the way that uh, we're going to have peace and it's going to be this way and not with your archaic Torah values, uh, etc., which, you know, isn't politically correct. They're basically, in a sense, maybe leaning to a globalist ideology, thinking that the world runs a certain way, and they don't believe in the Torah necessarily. Maybe some things, yes, other things they might feel as old-fashioned, archaic, etc., and they're going the way that they're always being told things need to be run. But that's just my opinion, too. That's true, but, yes, but politically, you see, and culturally, their parents and grandparents were the ones who formed this country for the most part. And they see themselves as deserving, as a continuing to have their hands on the wheel of control. Mm -hmm. And no one should dare suggest that they should not be the ones. They're the blue bloods. They see themselves as the ones who, who, who formed this country. And uh, no matter, no matter uh, 
no matter what, they have to be the ones who decide. And even if they make mistake after mistake, they'll never say, well, I made a mistake, I made a lot of mistakes, maybe now it's your turn. Never, never. That's not going to happen. And then you've got the element of Torah. Uh, they don't want to be told that they're living the wrong lifestyle as a, as a Jew, so it becomes insulting and it's an ego, and it's a much larger, larger package in Israel than politics in France and Russia. Here you're talking about levels and thousands of years of the Jewish identity, what a Jewish country should be like. Now, there are people on the left who say a Jewish country, that's just getting, just getting under their, their, their skin already, this Jewish country business. They stress democratic. Jewish, okay, we'll have matzo ball soup once a week maybe, but, but, but democratic, okay? Now, I don't, I don't think that their grandparents came to this country with the idea of building a democratic country. They wanted a Jewish country, whatever that meant to them, national Jewish country. Uh, people who fought in the 48 war didn't, 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 didn't fight for this country because they're fighting for a democratic country. They fought for the Jewish state. But lately, the democratic, or the capital D, is becoming more prominent in the left because they wanted to be dominant and to shove aside the Jewish part because their whole worldview has nothing to do with Judaism. It's all about being part of the, the, the postmodern world. This is the fight for the soul of Israel today. The Arabs are just a symptom of, the, of this fight for the Jewish soul. Hmm. All right. And so let, let's go back a little bit to your article here. Again, it's called Ex-Likud Minister, Israel Will Be a Different Country If Ben Gvir Joins the Government. So when he says it's going to be a different country, why don't you expand on that? Why is he saying that? Yeah, well, it basically, it's going to be more Jewish than democratic. It's going to, it's going to uh, look less like London and New York and more like a unique Jewish country. And what does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things. For example, uh, the, the, the Sabbath, right? Is a Sabbath like any other day of the week in a Jewish country? According to them, absolutely. According to people like Ben Gvir, no. Sabbath is, is, is a Jewish Sabbath in a Jewish country. It's got to look a little different, even if it means that people can't take a bus on Saturday in public uh, because the way a Jewish city looks, the uh, way Jerusalem, for example, looks on the Sabbath is not the way New York looks on Sabbath. And this is an example, for, just for an example. So let me read something from your article here, and then you can jump in and comment on that. You write here uh, in the middle, the opening item appeared today as Itamar Ben-Gvir's Otsmayudit political party, which means Jewish strength, joined forces with the other national religious party of Smotrich. Uh, he's another politician, another member of Knesset. Uh, this union may be the third largest in the Knesset, with Ben Gvir clearly the larger vote-getter in the mix. Talk about that. Well, now we're getting into internal Israeli politics on the right. So Smotrich is a prominent and very capable politician of the national religious camp, and so is Ben Gvir. Smartrich is more established, and Smartrich runs the National Religious Party. In the last election, Ben Gvir's Otsma Yudit joined it, kind of like in the last minute, um, and because Smartrich allowed him to enter. And he took a back seat in this coalition between the two parties. Uh, they got six seats in the Knesset, with Ben Gvir getting one of the six seats, and Smartrich's people getting the other five. Um, in the last year or so of this, this party in the Knesset, in the opposition, Ben Gvir proved himself to be very effective and very beloved, very active, and he was all over the place, all over the country. He was a very active and popular member of, of Knesset. Um, his popularity soared, and now, before this, these elections, um, they want to run again, but there was a, a, a long period of haggling about who's going to get which seats in the list of the two, two combined parties forming this one technical list. Smutrich apparently wanted to have the upper hand and decide uh, about how many seats and giving Ben Greer more than last time, but not, not exactly what Ben Greer wanted this time, according to the polls showing he's even stronger than Smutrich. Um, 
anyway, it's a lot of internal politics, a lot of bickering. At the end of the day, a couple of days ago, it was announced that they are running together. Okay, I want to they jump in here and just say this is a big thing in the sense that Ben Gvir has this stigma attached to him that he's an extremist. And a lot of the establishment doesn't want to get into bed, doesn't want to make a union with them because it might make them look like they're part of the extremists. And they don't want to look like that that way, especially since Smotrich and his party represent the um, knitted kippah national religious uh, population here in Israel. And they are not... Uh, extremists. They are very uh, establishment as you can get, uh, loving Israel, thinking that the state of Israel is just, uh, uh, you know, the most wonderful thing in the world. And it is in a sense, but it also isn't because uh, we see that it's going in, in, in the wrong direction. But well, in many people's eyes, it's going in the wrong, wrong direction. So the, the fact is, is that people don't want to make a coalition or bring in a, and make a union with Itamar Ben-Gvir and his party because they might be looked at as extremists. Go ahead, Shalom. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the case. People like Rebecca Hanna before him and Ben-Gvir now um, are, 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 are a stigma. That's the way the, the, um, the press and, and the establishment have painted them forever, um, they, they, fear, they fear people like Khan and, and Ben Gvir because, like you said, they say it, tell it like it is, that they don't play games. And the establishment likes to play games. So, um, yeah, so there's a stigma, and people want to be on the right side of the, of the uh, culture elite and don't want to be associated with people who are stigmatized. Um, so that's why uh, Ben Gvir... Um, um, ben Gvir is not accepted in many circles. Now, in the national religious camp, he has a lot of support. But there is still an establishment that, that uh, turns up their noses at people like Ben Gvir. Um, so it's like a social, cultural, political milieu that, that um, has different shades. There's a common denominator for sure. But there's also different backgrounds. For example, you, as you mentioned, there's a certain established mainstream national religious camp. Um, and then there is Ben Gvir, who comes from without the camp, although he's national religious. His kids go to those schools. and I can't, I can't see how he's any different than any other national religious person. I, and I, I can't see any difference, except that he um, um, expresses himself sometimes clearer and more forceful. And he is appealing... To, to groups outside the classic national religious. He's, I, I was amazed. I, I have a cousin living on a non-religious moshav, agricultural village in Israel, and I visited him, and this young man told me he's voting for Ben Gvir. Now, his whole, whole village always voted for labor, traditionally. Labor is now, left. Yeah. And now he's voting for a right-wing extremist, quote-unquote. He's voting for Ben Gvir, and he said it like low, so people around him shouldn't hear. It's not accepted. But if he's voting for Ben Gvir, and you've got Haredim, who are extreme orthodox, voting for Ben Gvir, and he's reaching out to all kinds of sectors, something that most parties can't do. And he's basically reaching out to people who are saying, enough, enough. Now, you don't have to be an economist or sociologist or be an expert in nuclear physics. You don't have to bring all of that to the table of politics. You have to talk to the gut of people. You know, economics and, and things like that will be, will be sorted out by the experts. But which way is the country going in a national, spiritual, soul way? What, what does it mean to be a Jewish state? This is a big question. The smaller questions, which will be handled by the experts, economics, and et cetera. But people want to know, why can't I walk down the street? Why can't I raise the Israeli flag? Why, why can't I go to the Negev Desert without being stoned? Why they, and these things are, are, are not... And why are we always being bombed by Hamas and uh, Islamic Jihad in Gaza whenever they want to, to why bomb are us? Holding, why are they holding our hostages and we don't make it, make it perfectly clear that it pays for them to give them back to us. Why can't we right. make it clear to them? We're the most powerful country in the Middle East. They're a little terror group. Why can't we tell them, it'll pay for you to give back a hostage to us? You will understand. 
Why can't we do that? Shalom, did your left-wing friend tell you why he's going to vote this time for Itamar Ben-Gavir and Otsma Yudit, Jewish Strength Party? Well, it was just my cousin, who was a man in his, in his 20s, and he's not steeped in ideology. But his family and his, and his community always voted left. But um, he basically is a young man who sees what's happening in the country nationally and says, enough, if, if somebody's going to come up and, and, and put an end to these pogroms and riots and humiliations against Jews, how vote for him. And there are a lot of people, lot of people like that, people living in the Negev, people hmm. living in the, in, the, in the Galil, with the Arabs running rampant, and, and it's just, just getting worse. So, you know, like, you know, Lenin said about communism in Russia, the worse it gets in Russia, the better it is for, for the Communist Party. Um, and the worse it gets in Israel for security for individual Jews in their own country, the better it is for, for, for people like Ben Gvir, who is saying, listen, I hear you, I agree with you, enough. Hmm. Very interesting. All right, uh, let me go back to your article for a moment. Uh, you write here, um, Mary Dor uh, and Ben Gvir have very different views of what the Jewish country should look like. Mary Dor is right when he voices his concern. He reminds us that Prime Minister Yitzhak Shamir, who, by the way, used to be in the Lehi, which was a uh, group that fought the British, uh, they were considered terrorists by the British, uh, to, and, and by the left in Israel. And by the left in Israel, right, and uh, correct. In fact, if anybody watches Netflix, there's a show called The Beauty Queen of Jerusalem, and you'll learn a little bit about uh, the Jews fighting the British there. Take it with a grain of salt what you see. It's Hollywood, uh, and they have their agenda. They want to make them uh, the fighters look bad, but they were trying to get out the British occupation. And... Um, so he was a hero, Yitzhak Shamir. He, he served together with Menachem Begin. Uh, and uh, so they, uh, so he says, even Prime Minister Yitzhak Shamir walked out of the Knesset when Rabbi Kahana, Ben Gvir's mentor, spoke. In the case of Shamir, Yitzhak Shamir, it, was, it wasn't because he did not agree with Rabbi Kahana as much as the rabbi was the greatest political threat to the entire Israeli establishment. Polls showed that masses of Likud and other voters, Likud is where uh, Benjamin Netanyahu is the head of today, were attracted to Rabbi Kahana, who did not hesitate to mince words. His refreshing, honest, logical approach had great appeal. The next election would be a catastrophe for politicians like Shamir if Kahana was not rid of. And I remember at this time also uh, heroes like oh, uh, Geula Cohen. Also, she was on the right. She was considered a hero of Israel. And even she, the right wing, wasn't just the left wing that wanted Rabbi Meir Kahana out, but the right wing wanted him out as well because he was a threat. He was more authentic than the established right wing. And so even the established right wing wanted him out, and they, and they did. They succeeded in uh, making it forbidden for him to run in the elections, and later on he was assassinated in New York by an Arab. Okay. Uh, do you want to jump in anything, or should I continue yeah, reading? You, you said it exactly right. Um, now, people like Shamir and Gula Kohn, uh have my respect for their great sacrifice for the Jewish people and the Amish people in their time, and they were on the right side of the political aisle as far as I was concerned, but they weren't like Rabbi Kahana. Rabbi Kahana was a unique phenomena. Who uh, you, won't, you won't see another one like him until the Messiah comes, I don't think. Um, he was a combination of a Torah scholar, of an orator, of a... He was a lawyer. He, he knew about the world, he knew about people, and he had courage, and he had empathy. And his private life was a very modest, quiet man. But when he had to, he was a lion... The Jews in every corner of the world. I knew him in the United States. I knew him in Israel. And he cared about the people and spoke the truth to the people and was courageous. And people were attracted to that. And the establishment who wants to horse trade did not want Kahana because he would take the votes from them. In fact, in the Knesset, when he, he got his, finally got one seat in the Knesset, um, a member of the Likud establishment, a minister, called Matzah, I forgot his first name, 
whose last name is Matzah, um, called him into his office and said to Kahana, basically, you know, you're very popular. We'd like to bring you into the Likud and give you a position in the Likud and basically hug him close to them and control him that way. And he said to them, no, thank you. I came to the Knesset to give my message, my way, talk to the people directly. And then when they walked out, he told his aide, Baruch Marzel, he told his aide, they cannot buy me, they cannot scare me, now they're going to try to destroy me. Baruch Marzel told the story about, about what he witnessed. And that's, that's basically it. The politicians want to play politics, they want their power, they want their games, they want their horse trading. And people like Ghana are not up to it. They don't want it. They, they, they are a real and a real person is the biggest enemy of a politician. Hmm. And a real Jew is the biggest, the biggest danger to, to Israeli politicians. You know, I want to say here that some people, not, not everybody, of course, but some people looked at Rabbi Meir Kahana as a modern-day prophet because what he said has already come true. He said that Israel cannot remain a democracy because once you, uh, you let the Arabs uh, stay there, they're going to have more babies, and through a democracy, they can take power in the Knesset. And we just saw in this last Knesset uh that we've had, this last government, the Arabs were in the government, not just in the opposition as Knesset members, but they were in the government itself. And uh, so they had gotten a lot of uh, power this way, which is also worrying uh, many people in the street here. And because, again, if uh, Gaza... The Arabs there decide to open up fire on Israel, and Israel should attack and really put some blows on them. The Arabs can say, what are you doing to our brothers in Gaza? We are going to leave this government, and then the House of Cards falls. So they've got a lot of uh, uh, power, the Arabs now, in this last government because they're part of it. So Rabbi Khanna says the, Rab- the, the Arabs can get in, and they can decide not even with a war. If they get a, you know, a majority rule or enough, uh, just to even enough, they can say, we want to change the name of Israel to Palestine, take a vote, they take a vote, and they get it. You know, I mean, things can be done in different ways. And so he was saying that you cannot have a hostile population who does not believe in the state of Israel, who is an enemy of the state of Israel. You cannot have them there. The the Arabs that want to live peacefully and will um, will uh, agree not to have voting rights. They can live here as guests uh, and they can have their own houses and, and their properties, etc. And their business is fine, but they are not. Uh, the Jewish people, this is Jewish land. And, uh, you know, I mean, like you look at Germany, I, I believe that the Turks that are living in Germany for a long, long time d- didn't have or possibly still don't have voting rights there. I'm not sure. Maybe you can jump in yeah, if you do. know. Uh, they do. They can vote in German elections. I think the Turks can. Yeah. The Turks? Not, 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 not in Switzerland, not in Japan. There are countries where they cannot. Ah, okay. The, All right. Depends which country. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So there already is a precedent like that, that you can have people living in a country peacefully. They can make their livings there. They can live there, but they don't have voting rights because for whatever reason, that country believes that they don't want that influence in their culture. So uh, these things that Rabbi Kahana said are, are, have proven to be true. And if, in fact, uh, if you have not been to Israel and or you've been here, but you don't read Hebrew, you will see on bridges and bypasses and highway signs, you'll see graffiti saying Kahana was right in Hebrew. Is that, isn't that correct, Shalom? Yeah. Even you today. Know, if, you, if, you, if you ask people in the street, as I, as I do, uh, was, wasn't Kahana right? A, a, a large percentage will say yes. And you would never think that if you're just following the media. So very interesting. All right, let me continue here because, you know, it's, it's interesting that this show uh, has taken a turn to talk all about Rabbi Mir Kahana because that's not what I thought we were going to be talking about. But I think it's important that people understand the history, the basis, where things are coming from and, uh, and how, how it's uh, manifesting itself today. Uh, let's see here. Jews in the Jewish state don't want to hear why Jews are increasingly murdered and humiliated in their own land. They want to hear that it will end fast. 
This situation has not changed since Rabbi Kahana was banned from political life by the entire Knesset. He did not play by the politicians' rules. And that is why the people loved him and why the politicians hated him. Very well written. Shalom, I have to tell you. Fast forward 40 years to Ben Gvir, deja vu. Then as now, the Israeli establishment can accept Jew-hating Arabs in the Knesset, I should say even government, and, and even give them a comradely uh, slap on the back but not a Jew-loving Jew who wants to make Jews safe and proud again in the Jewish country. Some things are beyond the pale. Translation, some people make them look like the opportunist, impotent politicians that they are. Conclusion, we have identified the enemy and it must be destroyed. Tread carefully, Ben Gvir. So what does that mean? Conclusion, we have identified the enemy and it must be destroyed. What do you mean the by that? The very same thing about Rabbi Kahana. They identified the enemy. Their enemy was not the Arabs who want to kill Jews. Their enemy that is the most direct threat to them is this Jew who wants to talk clearly and, and without playing the political game. That is the biggest threat to them. That was the case with Rabbi Kahana and that is the case today with Ben Greer. Um, because for these politicians, rockets coming across and killing Jews is much less a concern than them, for them than somebody challenging their power. Yeah, you know, keep the, they don't want to rock the boat. They like their positions, they like the salaries they're getting, they like the power that they have. And, and, uh, to, and to, think, to think that they, they I mean, to me it's, it's, it's shocking that, that I know that these politicians feel more comfortable in a social situation with killers from Ramallah and the Palestinian Authority, they will sit down and smile and talk with them than with Ben Gvir or, or me or you. <laughs> it's like, it, it, and it's, it's amazing. And you know, a lot of people on the left who are so, so uh, uh, enraged when a Jew hurts an Arab or disrespects an Arab, and they will make their feelings so clear. But when Jews are hurt and humiliated by Arabs, you don't hear them. You know why? They don't care. They don't care. They know empathy. They've lost the, 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 the age-old Jewish value of caring for your brother. Call Yisrael Arivim Zelazeh. Every Jew is responsible for the other Jew. But they lost the idea of what a Jew is. They flee from the idea. I, I think, Shalom, that they're afraid what the world is going to say. And that's why we prosecuted our own IDF soldiers when they killed terrorists because they're afraid that, oh, it looks bad. We better prosecute this guy so to show the world that we're not... You know, we're, we're, we're such good people, we even treat our enemies so wonderfully. And, and Israel, and the, the state the here, takes pride about that. Of, of, of Jew loving another Jew, which, was, which is one of the anchors of Judaism, the Jew loving another Jew, is lost to them. They don't see the Jews as their brothers. They see them as citizens. Sometimes they see them as political opponents, but, but not as we were taught for generations about the the sacrosanct relationship between a Jew and a Jew. They don't see it anymore. They don't see it anymore. They, they, don't, they wouldn't mind. I mean, these calls among the, the left were, were heard um, in, in the Gush Katif expulsion 15 years ago. They were calling for civil war. It's okay. They don't, they don't mind the bloodshed. And in some sense, there's got to be a civil war. Back in 1948, in the Alta Lena, Menachem Begin brought a shipload of, 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 of people and guns and ammunition to fight the Arabs. Ben Gurion was 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 fearful of the political power of Begin, and he gave orders to kill Begin and sink sink the boat. Who was the one that shot shot the gun uh, that sunk the boat? Proudly, Yitzhak Rabin. So it's not a new story. It goes back. Right, I remember that story. Yeah, they first asked. I think it was Moshe Dayan, if I'm not mistaken, and he said, "I can't hear you. Can't hear you." That's what I heard. I don't know if it's true. Oh, I don't know. I don't <laughs> All right. So, uh, it, yeah, I, I, I just want to say here that 
I want to reiterate or I want to really um, make this statement so people should understand. I don't think that Shalom Pollock hates the Arabs. I certainly do not hate the Arabs. I just am worried about the safety of my people. And by the way, there are many Arabs in Israel and Gaza, by the way, that hate the terrorists that just want to live uh, peaceful, decent lives, educate their kids, have a better life. And, you know, I mean, people talk about Israeli intelligence. How do we know where the terrorists are, that we can pinpoint them? Where are we getting this information from? A lot of the information we're getting from the Arabs themselves that live there because they hate their corrupt government there run by the Hamas. They hate that they can't live in peace and they're giving information to Israel. So um, just for them as well, that everybody can enjoy a peaceful life. I do not hate Arabs. We are all brothers and sisters in the sense that God created us human beings. We all stem from Noah and before that from uh, from Adam and Eve. We're all connected. We're all together. And in, and in fact, in the times of the Messianic era, we're all going to get along in peace, which is the way it should be. And, and I'm thrilled that there's relations now opening up with uh, the Gulf states and Israel. I think it's a wonderful thing. I do not hate Arabs at all. I've had Arabs friends right now. I'm married and living someplace else, so I'm not rubbing shoulders with them so much. But I used to work with Arabs and we were all friendly. And so I, I definitely do not hate Arabs at all. I want to see everybody live a good, peaceful, safe, wonderful life. And I believe that, Shalom, you, would you say the same thing or would you differ? I, I agree with you. And as, as, as the rabbi said, I don't hate Arabs. I love Jews. Well, there you go. All right, so let's end this on where do you see the trend uh, going? A lot of people have seen, oh, look, the left got in, and the Arabs are in this government as well, or supporting this government at least, and uh, the sky hasn't fallen. Yes, we have to go to new elections after just like, what is it, uh, less uh, a year uh, or something like that? Yeah, but uh, but like so, do you see that people are saying, you know what, we could have the left, and it's not the end of the world, uh, or do you see that people are saying, whoa, this is really bad. We've got to get a right wing majority, and th- it looks like it's going to go that way. Where do you see the trend going now for these next first, elections? First of all, there's a lot of apathy. People don't don't trust politicians, and a lot of people are just not going to vote. But those who do care and, and will vote. Um, there are people who are uh, enraged about the uh, sharing of power with the, with the Arab party this past year, and they are... Let me interrupt are... you. I'm so sorry. I just have to say this. It's not that we're sharing power with the Arab parties. These Arab parties are against the state of Israel. They support the Hamas. They support the terrorists. So we're talking about an enemy uh, fifth column. It's not just because they're Arabs. It's because they're right. Arabs that support the terrorists. Go ahead. Right. So the Muslim Brotherhood. They, they yes, are. Muslim Brotherhood. Um, and uh, unfortunately, they, are, they. This is the first time in, in Israeli history that a, an Arab party that is anti-anti-Zionist um, is sh- shared power. In other words, determines the fate of the Jewish country, and they were given this power by by by, by Jewish politicians who did so for the simple reason they wanted to have power themselves. That was the price. And uh, it's, I, I should say that it was Bibi Netanyahu who opened the door to this precedent. He began flirting with, with Abbas of this party, of, 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 uh, and, and began flirting with him because Bibi didn't have 61 seats, and he wanted this Arab party's help from within or from without to form his government. To have power. Now he rejected Bibi's uh, suggestions. He went with the left and gave support to the left, and the left made their government. Now they're all saying, "Well, Bibi was talking to him, and so why can't we? It's kosher. Now it's kosher." So the first government that that let the Arabs in was, was the left, uh, but the one that opened the door just even a little bit for that for that possibility was Bibi. And here again, we come back to the politicians who are all about power and are not rooted in centuries and millennia of Jewish faith. That's what happens. And now, I, go ahead. That, now, now, the fact that we have this, this coalition of the left and the Arabs 
gives the left a good chance at forming another government. All these anti-Jewish Arab parties, the 20% of the country, 20% of the country, who are, until today, not considered uh, uh, kosher partners for a Zionist party. And now they've been kosher, if you will, and the left is, is openly saying, yes, these are, these are natural coalition partners. Now the left, the Jewish left, on their own, cannot rule this country. Because 70% of the Jews of this country are right-wing traditional people. The 30% of the left can't rule by themselves. They have to have the Arabs together with them. Uh, and now they have these natural allies, which give them a political boost. And they are very happy to share power with these Arabs, because the left doesn't want a Jewish country anyway. Uh, the left and the Arabs have something in common. They both don't want a Jewish country. Now, the, 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 the left wants a cosmopolitan country. The Arabs want an Arab country. That's the next stage. Okay, I want to add here that uh, people have seen also without BB in power and that we're getting hit by missiles and rockets from Gaza, etc., that all of this happened also, it was all under BB's watch. I mean, the left has only been in power for about a year, all That's the right. previous decade. Uh, right. Netanyahu was in power and all of this came under his watch. So all they see that he's problems. not the king either. Yeah. He's, he's no, no savior of Israel. No, 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 no. He's a very good politician, a manipulator. He's smart. He knows the story. He knows how to communicate. But he's not a man of faith. And Bibi is a politician. He is. He does have leadership qualities. I'm not going to say he's a he's a Rashad Gamor, right? Like he's a total evil person. I'm not going to say that. He's got a lot of things going for him. However, uh, at the same time, as you said, he's not a man of faith uh, per se, and uh, he has put us in the situation that we're in right now. So in the past, in the past, when he had to decide which coalition partners to take to make his coalition. On at least two occasions, he reached out to the left parties and rejected parties to the right of him. That's true. Why? He wanted to have a fig leaf, so when he, when he goes back on his word to his right-wing voters, he could say, it's not me, it's my coalition partner, what do you want? I don't have, haven't got a majority. But he knows what he's doing. He rejects the right wing to the right of him, who will hold him to his promises. He doesn't want that. That's what he did in the past. He might do it again now. Mm-hmm. Right. This is this is very true what you said, and why a, a lot of Israelis are also uh, disillusioned. I know somebody who was always uh, Likud, Bibi, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu, Melech Yisrael, the king of Israel, and this time around, he said he's not voting for the Likud. He he said he's going to be voting for small church. Know, I don't really know, care you know, you know, you that know much I for decided Smotrich, that Bibi Netanyahu is not, a, a, not the right Jewish leader? If you recall, in the year 2000, there was a riot after the Western Wall Tunnel exit was opened. It was a bloody few days. And uh, the Palestinian Authority that we gave guns to used the guns to kill Jews. And uh, anyway, there was a powwow called by President Clinton in Washington, and Bibi went there, and Arafat was there. And I'll never forget, you can see it on YouTube right now, Look, Google it. Uh, Bibi went over to Arafat on stage and gave him a two-hand handshake, pumping him and smiling, and the blood was not yet dry in Israel. And I said to myself, if you've got to shake the man's hand, this, this evil Arafat's hand, you do so in a very formal way. What's with the two-hand pump and the, and, and the smile? What are you trying to accomplish there? He lost me then. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Yeah, I think he lost me during the Gush Katif, uh he voted for it. Yes. He, voted for he it. financed it. He was the finance minister then. <laughs> he financed okay. it. Yeah, so, so, so and then know. right before the vote, he, he bows out and says, I can't be part of this government. Oh, he yeah. wants to leave because he, he doesn't want that more, blood on his hands. You he, know? Could, he couldn't sleep at night. He yeah. Sleep at night. <laughs> right. He's, he's a very good politician, let's say that way. Anyway, yeah. um, all right. You know, he could be, if he just made the right decisions, he could be a really, really, really great leader. Uh, he's, got, he's got all of the, all the tools. Yes, he he's got, have, he's he talented. Yes, he, he is. It's just a, a pity that he is running after what he thinks the world wants. And I don't, uh, think, his that's father, wrong. I don't think his father, who was a great, a great uh, patriot and a great historian of Jewish history, I don't think he was very happy with his son towards the end. Hmm. 
Interesting. Interesting you see that. All right. So uh, anyway, this is uh, just a little bit of the rundown of what might be happening. Do you think that the right is going to win this time? Do you think that the people who are very motivated usually are more, I think usually, uh, are, my, is more the hopes, right wing and they'll show up and vote? My hopes and dreams are getting in the way. So I will say, yes, the right's going to win. Um, as they say that the Arab turnout is going to be very low, which is very important for the right-wing uh, victory. Um, I hope that the people like Benfair and others will get the right-wing vote out because it really all depends on which sector gets the vote out. That's really where it, where, where, where it is because uh, the, left, it's the left and the Arabs on one side and actually also some people who call themselves right but uh, attacking themselves to the left, that's another story. Um, it's that coalition... It's, 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 um, I kind of think the right's going to win. I kind of, after this year and all of what's been happening, I think the right's going to win, but it's going to be close. No matter what happens, it's going to be a very close, close race. It's going to be a, it's going to be a very interesting next, next two months. Hmm. Well, we've had close races before, everyone. I tell people that even if a party here in Israel gets the most votes, that doesn't guarantee that they're going to lead the government because you have to have at least 61 seats, 61 Knesset members in a coalition out of the 120. You have to have more than half, which would be 61, in order to be able to take power. So even if you have a party that maybe won, let's say, 36 seats, and then the second largest largest party is only 30 seats, if more other parties are going to join in with the smaller party and they can get the 61 seats, they're the ones who are going to be chosen to lead the next government. So that you know, is... What, what I, th- I think one of the things in Israel really affects elections very much is the um, Arab terror and Arab attacks on Israel. Either from across the border, from within our borders. If, if it's a very quiet next two months, as far as that's concerned, the left will benefit. If it's uh, a very, if it's if it's a disturbing two months as far as Arab attacks are concerned, to help the right, and um, it could be that the Palestinian Authority and the Hamas are going to try to keep things quiet so the left can get in again. We'll see. God runs the world. This is this is true. All right. Shalom Pollock, thank you for coming on the show. And again, the name of his article is Ex-Likud Minister, Israel will be a different country if Ben-Gavir joins the government. If anybody wants that article, I can send them a copy. You can write me at Tamar, T-A-M-A-R, at Israel News Talk Radio. Dot com And if you want to write uh, Shalom, you can also write me, and I will forward any letters to him as well. Yeah, well, My book is available, of course. I guess. Go ahead. Give out your book info. So the book I just finished writing is called Jews, Israelis, and Arabs. It basically talks about the things we spoke about on the show. It's a question of identity, what this country is, where is it going, where is it going, what do we want? All right, and they can get that on Amazon, correct? Yes, yes. All righty. Okay, well, I want to thank everybody for being with us here at Israel News Talk Radio for the Tamar Yona Show. Again, you can write me at Tamar, T-A-M-A-R, at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And any emails that you want to go to Shalom Pollock, then I will send them to him as well. Thank you, Shalom, for being with us. An excellent thank article you, Tamar. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Be well. Bye. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? 
Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.